Hello. Hello. I didn't get to talk to you guys last week, and Jamie did about Costa Rica. It was wonderful. Uh, the missionaries that we have there are a, a beautiful family, and it was so good to sit with them in the evenings and just sit on their porch and look at the birds and talk about what God was doing in their life and the dreams they have and the struggles they have and um, the humanity that we both have. <laughs> and it's good to remember, like, Cynthia's Costa Rican, and a human is a human. Like, she has the same struggles and teenagers and things, and I, you know, that we all have. And so that was really good. I'm so glad that we are in relationship with them and can support them and be for there for them. Um, I, I wanted to let you know what, what they asked of our church is um, they said, like, we have a pretty good financial support. They're super fortunate because sometimes, you know, people don't. They said, what we need is a community to be our friends. And that's what we need. And it's lonely for them on the field. And I don't think that's an uncommon story. So I don't know what that means, but that's what they need from us. So if you can think about it, um, how we can be, just let them know you're not forgotten, even though you're so far, far away. So thank you for, thank you for sending us. Uh, thank you for supporting us to be able to go and to be with them and encourage them and sit with them and pray. And so that's what I wanted to say. I was going to say with that, that the isolation they feel, they live 45 minutes from the nearest English speaker. So the awkwardness you feel when we sang a song partly in Spanish in just this one, you know, worship service setting, just imagine living life where the language that you heard you didn't understand, you know, they, they, they're fluent. Yeah. But hearing your home well, she's language. she's Costa Rican. Yeah, she's Costa Rican. <laughs> but, the, you know, the uh, Josiah and the kids, they're 45 minutes from the nearest English speaker. And so that just kind of gives you a sense of the isolation. It's, it's, it's really isolated. And so we want to be their friends. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure what exactly what that looks like. But that's what they've asked. So I'll let you know. All right. This morning we are in uh, John, John 10. So Janice spoke a couple weeks ago. And I listened to it this week. That's the joy of podcasts. And um, she talked about the church calendar because we've kind of been learning and growing and growing in that. And she talked about how we're in the Easter season. So even though Easter was like, you know, like, what was it, four weeks ago? We're still in the church calendar. We're in Easter. And what that means is we're looking at Christ, the risen Christ, and how we relate with him. So the passages this week have been about Jesus as our shepherd. And that's what we're going to be at today. So Jamie was going to start by reading the passage. I'm read and the I'm passage. hoping I have the same translation up there that he's reading. That's, that's what I was hoping for. I hope so. <laughs> All right. John 10, chapter 1, or no, John chapter 10, verse 1 through 16. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers." Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. 
So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. The hired hands who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and, I, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. So this passage is interesting because it's written to the religious leaders. It's written to the Pharisees, and it's written into because of their response. So there was a blind man right before this that was healed. And their response was they wouldn't accept him. They wouldn't allow him to be part of the sheepfold. So it's right before that. So Jesus is responding. This is his response. And he calls them blind. He calls the religious people, you are blind. And he says to them, and you do not hear. So this is where we start. Jesus is saying this to them. You do not see and you do not hear. And uh, as you can imagine, he made them very, very angry. (laughs) And because would you not be a little bit angry if you thought that what you were doing was the best that you could do and that you were following all the rules and someone says to you, you are blind, you do not get it, and you are not listening. You do not truly hear what's going on. (laughs) I decided I was going to let Heidi do most of speaking today since I oh, spoke all last week. okay. Yeah. I didn't have anything to add there. Okay. All so right. It was, it was very good. All right. So as we begin looking at the passage, what, what stood out to me is the voice. You see the voice. It's like five times you see the word voice, voice, and listen. And so the shepherd here is saying to the flock, you're going to know who I am by what I say to you. As people of God, we're going to be able to recognize what God is saying to us. We're going to be able to discern by the voice of what we, what we hear. Um, there's a picture up here, the next picture. So it's a little hard to see. But this is a picture that was commonly on frescoes or it's not like the coolest picture in the world. But what it stands for is pretty cool. Um, It was seen on like uh, maybe a gravestone or a fresco of the early church Christians. And it's a shepherd with the sheep over the the back of the, over the shoulders. And what it represented, if someone saw it, they knew that this was somebody who had chosen to follow Jesus. So if they saw it, they'd be like, oh, this is someone who follows Jesus. And what I noticed about it and what stood out to me as I was watching it, and then there's other ones. The next picture is also similar. It's also not maybe the coolest art in the world. Like, wow. But what I see and what I noticed is the shepherd is carrying, is carrying the sheep. 
you probably, you might have noticed that we, we are the sheep. And as I sat and looked at the passage of the sheep, I thought so often in my life, I don't want to be carried. I want to do things my own way. And I think in the, in the passage he's saying, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, follow what I'm saying to you. And when I was really real with myself and when I'm honest, I think a lot of times I say, Jesus, this is what I'm going to do, and I'd like you to come along with me. Jesus, this is how I'm going to live my life, and I'd like you to be a part of it with me. And I think that the closer that you get to God and the more you let him be the shepherd, we learn to start first with the listening and then we move forward. I think a lot of times I want to be like, this is the direction Heidi's going and the Holy Spirit and God, the Trinity, I'd love you to come along with me. I think that we're invited and when we look at this picture, we're invited to be carried. We're invited to a different way of moving through the world. We're invited to listen first and, and, then, to, and then to move and then to make our decisions. I've been asked by a lot of people, like, how do you know God is speaking to you? And how in the world do you know what he's actually saying? It's discernment. They're what? How do I discern really what God is saying to me? I like to listen to a lady named Susan Stable. She's like about 70 years old. I've started listening to people who are at least 20 years older than me, um, mostly by and large. Uh, and I've been am amazed at the wisdom. I was telling someone what I've noticed, I was telling Sherry this week, what I've noticed when you listen to people who are closer to 70 is they have less answers. They know less. They're less staunch about the way things have to be. They're more curious, and they're less likely to tell everybody else how they ought to live. And I think that there's a great freedom offered to each of us who are not in our 70s yet if we could realize that we don't have all the answers. We have less answers than we could possibly know. Um, I think I got a little distracted there. But the discernment and listening to God's voice, I think it's something that you grow in. And I also think it's something you have to just trust. I think a lot of times you actually are hearing God's voice, and you, you are already. You hear, are hearing God's whisper and God's leading because God's carrying you because you are his sheep. But you have to trust. You have to trust that God will faithfully speak to you. And then there's a really important piece if you have to be able to have a community around you because sometimes we're wrong. We really are sometimes wrong. And so you have to have people that you can bounce things off of. I've sat with my spiritual director before, and I've said to her, this is how I see it. And she's, she's in her 80s, and she said to me, you're wrong. Like, she says a little kinder than that, but I've said it to you before. You have to have other voices around you who are willing to say to you, you're not quite seeing that right. So that's that fine, that fine line. But we grow as the longer we let the shepherd carry us, we grow in being able to discern 
what God is actually saying to us. So if you felt like in that, as Heidi was talking, like, yeah, I, that's something I want. I want to be able to hear the voice of God and discern what he's saying. I want to know when God is speaking to me. Um, you're not alone. <laughs> like, even, you know, even the leaders that we speak to, people that are 20 and 30 years older than us, which you said 20 years older, you're talking more 30 years older because you're so. not 50 yet. <laughs> um, she's still just a young, young, young doe. Thanks. And beautiful, too. Um, anyway, sorry, I just got doe-eyed. That's funny. Um, so you're not alone. You know, people that are much older than us, that are in their 80s, they, they still like, I just want to know, I want to discern. And it, it's a desire that we have. And this whole passage really is it's really just this centered around this idea of desire, mm-hmm. the desire of the sheep. Now, Jesus is taking the Pharisees to task, but he is also speaking to the sheep, his disciples and followers who are around him. So they're hearing this too, and they're going, wait a minute. I'm one of those sheep, and I'm in that sheep pen. And it's interesting how he describes them as though they are in a, a sheep pen, the sheepfold, mm-hmm. and that there are these outside forces that are trying to climb over the walls and to get in and to steal the sheep, to destroy the sheep, to make the sheep afraid. Um, he even describes them as wolves in the second half of the, of the passage. Mm-hmm. It, as I was reading that, um, and I told Heidi this, he's like, I don't know. But half the church will probably really connect to it. So we'll tell, I'll tell this story to half the church. You could decide who you are. Um, when I was a kid in Alaska, we had this weird festival one time. And it only happened once, and I don't remember even what the festival was. I was probably about second or third grade when it happened. But we went to the high school there in, in Alaska because it's cold. You have outdoor ice rinks. So we were there in the spring when the ice was thawed. And so they had this huge outdoor ice rink, and somebody brought a pig that they had stuck in a bag with a blob of Crisco and let the wig piggle, piggle wiggle, wiggle, pig wiggle, holy cow, that's hard to say. The pig wiggle around in the thing, and then they threw it into this ice rink that was all enclosed. And the pig, you know, was just terrified. In retrospect, at the time, this sounded like a lot of fun. And now I'm a, a 48-year-old adult who looks at things like this and say, oh, my gosh, the poor pig. But because I'm a pig whisperer. And so they put the pig out there, and then they let a whole bunch of second and third graders chase the sucker. Right? And it's screaming. I can't do the sound. But it's screaming and running, and all the kids are screaming and running, and they're jumping at it, and they're tackling it, and they're grabbing at its legs, and they're pulling at its ears. Can you imagine how terrified the pig must have been? That is the sense of this passage, (laughs) that the sheep have been in a sheepfold, and there are things that are coming in trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and they're terrified. They're terrified. Our world is, this is the state of our world that we live in, isn't it? It's kind of just how things feel right now. You turn on your Apple News for 30 seconds, and you get four news items that produce just such high anxiety in your heart that you can, you can hardly read the stories. Okay, I'll speak in the eye. When I turn on Apple News and I look, I get four stories that cause so much anxiety that I can hardly stand to read the stories. I was telling Larry this this morning. He's like, did you see this news? I'm like, yeah, I didn't even read it. I couldn't even, I don't even want to know the details. I just, it's just another thing. We got people in this world who are struggling with fear, anxiety, um, anger. There's so many things that are coming at us, and, and we're in these sheep pens, and we're harassed. I find it interesting that not in John's gospel, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of those authors, authors said that Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he was filled with compassion. He said, because they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd, with nobody to protect them. And so we live in this space where we're inside this 
enclosed sheep pen, and Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. When I read this story, I just go, man, the world could use a good shepherd right about now. And it's always been true, but this moment, it maybe feels more poignant than ever. The world could use a good shepherd right now. And as I was lying in bed last night thinking about just all these things, I realized it's not the world that needs this good shepherd. It's me. <laughs> I need this good shepherd right now. I need a good shepherd to come. I need a good shepherd to lead. I need a good shepherd to carry me on his shoulders, to take us out of that harassment state, out of the anxiety, out of the fear, out of the hatred, and then out of the hunger because the sheep are in a pen that is only meant to last for so long. It's Jan and Janice move their sheep around pasture to pasture, place to place, so that they always have food. And that's what the shepherd's doing. He's coming and he's saying, oh, look, the sheep have been in here. They've eaten all the grass. They're going to dig into the dirt and they're going to destroy the sheep pen. It's time to move them. And he calls them, opens the gate and calls them and says, come on, sheep. And the sheep follow him into a new pasture where they can have food. But if we stay in that harassed state, if we stay in that pasture, what it will lead to is deadness. The passage says, Jesus says, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's death. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The good shepherd is calling us out of this hunger, out of this deadness, out of this desire, and into wide open pastures of freedom, of goodness, of provision, of hope, of peace. That's the invitation of this passage. So the first part is about the shepherd, which Jamie was talking about. And then in the middle, there's like this parable. And Jamie was like, well, why is it? We were talking, why is it there? Super confusing when I first and read it. And I, I was saying, I th it's there because in verse 6, it says they didn't get what he was saying. So Jesus starts, he's telling them the story. And, they, and he looks at them, he's like, they're not getting it. They don't understand what I'm trying to say. So he's like, okay, let's try it another one. Let's try another proverb. Let's put it to you this way. And then he goes into, I am the gate. So he's saying, if they don't get the shepherd, let's try this. I am the gate. I'll read this part. For the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. So he's saying, the picture is Jesus is laying in front of the sheep pen, and he's saying, I'm here to protect you. I am the gate. But what's beautiful about it, so the Pharisee said, and you might have experienced church like this. So the Pharisee said, you come in, and you're in the gate, and you are stuck there. Like, you follow the rules, and you do it right. But Jesus says, I will let you come in, and I will let you go out. You can go where you need to go, and you can come. Do you see, like, there's a freedom you're not just stuck and bound up in all these rules. He says, I am the gate, and you can come in, and you can go out, and I will look after you wherever you go, and I will take care of you, and you will be saved. So I was telling Jamie, when I read saved, I think, because of the way I was taught, I think heaven. Like, that just goes in my head. But that's not what this passage is talking about. It's saying you're going to be saved here, now, on this earth, while you're living and moving about. You will be saved by, by Jesus. And it says, you, this, is the part, this is the part of the passage I love the most, is that I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Do you have any passages that you actually can, like, remember the first time you heard it? This is one of them. 
It's, I have come that you may have life abundantly. I remember reading that, like, when I first started reading the Bible for myself when I was around 16 and thinking, I want that. I want to live abundantly. And I was listening to N.T. Wright, and he was saying, we need to be sure to realize abundantly is not abundance. Where we use it, it means you have a lot. You have a lot of money. You have a lot of food. You have a lot of influence. That's, and I knew that. Like, we know that. That is not an abundant life. I knew that at 16. I mean, I grew up in a fairly affluent home, and I knew that that is not what that passage meant. There had to be something more, because even if you grow up in an affluent home, you still have lots of hurts. You have the same hurts, and you have the same longings, and you have the same desires. And I was reading this passage this week, and particularly interesting to me, I was in, I was in a lot of pain. So I've been having a bit of, I've been having pain, and that's part of life. I'm not dying, but I, I'm getting older, and I've had some serious pain that's taken me out. So I'm laying on my couch, experiencing more pain than I've had since I was giving, since I've given birth. And I was like, God, what does that mean for people who live in pain? That they have, you, you offer them abundance. What does that look like? Like, as I'm laying here and I can do absolutely nothing except for breathe through the pain, what does abundance mean? And we all experience pain. It doesn't even have to be physical. It can be emotional. It can, you, you know, you've had your pains. What does that mean? Or someone who's having cancer. And I really don't have an answer, but what does it mean when I am at my lowest that God offers me abundant living and abundant life. There has to be an answer for us as Christians. I think a lot of it is just Jesus is there. He's carrying me. I think that's part of the abundance. Did you have a thought on, on abundance? I think, yeah, a little bit. Um, abundance is, one of, it is a trigger word, like you said. And it's, it's interesting because we grew up in opposite sorts of situations. So where Heidi grew up with some affluence, I grew up with poverty. And uh, she saw our home once where I grew up, and she goes, it looks like a campsite. And it did. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just the first words out of her mouth. She says what she thinks. Um, but, and it was true. It looked, it looked like, and it was a campsite. We were basically camping. And um, so for, for me, the word really was and is still a trigger. Like for, for her, when she reads salvation, it goes to heaven me too. When I read abundance, it goes to stuff. And we live in a world, and, and we've seen it over and over again, where, you know, it's like we have our house full, and then we have to have a storage unit, and then the storage unit's packed. And, and that, that version of abundance is not abundance at all, but it's really a drag. It's a weight that we carry around behind us, isn't it? We, the more that we have, the more that we have to maintain and, and care for and carry and pay for, and we're, you know, we're paying for stuff that we're not using. And, and so that sense of abundance is really a drag. It's not abundance at all. So we have to broaden, I think, our view of abundance. Uh, we have to have a bigger view of the world, a bigger view of people, a bigger, bigger view of justice, a bigger view of blessing. And it's the abundance in this sense is really restor restoration and wholeness and peace. It's the word shalom. Heidi said, I think one of the things I think about is shalom, shalom from the chosen. It's like not just peace, but perfect peace. It's where our hearts are restored. 
It's where our relationships are restored. It's where our emotions are repaired and restored. It's where our souls have been renewed. And it's, it's the picture of um, Psalm 23. As the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he restores my soul. Even though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because the good shepherd is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the abundance of this passage. The good shepherd is guiding us and leading us into a massive way of life that our anxiety, that our fear, our triggers, our, our trauma, our history, all of those things wants to squash and make the pen smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Until, and God's just saying, come on. Come with me. Salvation isn't just heaven. The massive hope of salvation is it's here and now, and you're being led out into life abundantly. And that's why there's a, a prayer. Um, I, I wrote the third century, and I told you the third century. It's on, yeah. it's on here. But I realize it's not the third century. It's oh. the 13th century because oh. there wasn't monks in the third century yet. <laughs> so there's a monastic prayer from the 13th century. And it, it was in Latin originally, and so this is a, a modern translation of it. But let's put it up there. It's, it's this. God, remove my deadness and make me fully alive. That's that invitation to move from the, the, the tight, small pasture that you're starving in, that you're ha- harassed in, that you're hurt in, and out into abundance with God. Make me fully alive in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my hurt, in the midst of the trials that come our way, make me fully alive. Psalm, I know there's another psalm that I've really been thinking about lately, and uh, it, it says, it's, it, the first part is a lament. God, why is it like this? We talked about it in our grief and loss session at EHS this last week. Why is the world like this? Everything is against me. And it says, yet I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold firm to this, your right hand, and how it has acted in the past. And this is the truth, that your pathway leads through the waters, not around it, not over it. We can't go over it. Can't go under it. We've got to go through it. And it's God's abundance is on the other side of the water. So if you're in those places, know that that's the invitation of the passage. A good shepherd is carrying you through those waters. He's with you. I'm going to stop now. I just could kept going. Thanks. Yeah. I like how you talked about the abundant life. So Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. One, one piece that Jamie and I were talking about that I Another piece in the passage to move a little bit farther along is verse 14. And this is the part where it talks about to being known by the shepherd and knowing the shepherd. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. The first part is, when I read that, I thought, the same way that Jesus is known by the Father, I, it's this hard for me to get my brain around, I can be known by God, and I can know God that way. That is so intimate. You think about it, Jesus knew God so closely. He listened, and he could follow, and he's saying, you can, you can be that close too. And I think, can I? Is that really possible? But that's the invitation to know and be known by the shepherd. 
That's the other part when Jamie said this passage brings up desire. Because it brings up something in you like saying, I, I can't even quite imagine that being so close to, to God and to Jesus. The next, the next verse, I, th- I think it's important to, to look at. Because it's what really made the Pharisees so angry. And I, they were so, so angry about this. Jesus said, I have other sheep other than you. And they were like, no, it's just us. The Jews were like, no. And we don't know exactly who these other sheep are. We don't know if they were Jews who believed slightly differently. A lot of people think when they read it, a lot of, com- and I've always thought this, that it's Gentiles. I think it's aliens. Jamie thinks it's aliens. He keeps saying this all week. I'm like, I think it's Gentiles. He's like, pretty sure it's aliens. I'm like, pretty sure it's not. So, (laughs) but he's set on that. But we don't know. But this is what I think is important. I think sometimes we create those walls and we say, this is who's in and this is who's out. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. And if you don't look like this, you're not. And I think Jesus is saying, you don't always know. You don't always know who's in and who's out. And frankly, why do we need to know? Why do we need to have an opinion? Why don't we just concern ourselves about Heidi? Is Heidi know God? Is Heidi following God? Is Heidi listening after God? And just leave the other churches alone. Like, why don't we? We don't need to have I don't think we need to have an opinion because there's a very good chance that we're going to be like the Pharisees and we're going to be wrong. We're going to get to heaven and be like, why are you here? Huh, that's interesting. I wasn't expecting to see you here. And Jesus will be like, yeah, because they belong to me. They're mine. And they don't have to look just like you, but they love me. They love me a lot. And wouldn't it be free, free for us to just like not have to worry about everybody else and just to worry about ourselves? I'm enough, right? So, just I think to clarify, though, you're not saying that they need to worry about you. No, just yourself. You're saying they need to worry about them. You can. You themselves. Can. But they, look at you, your heart, and your relationship with God. And don't worry about, like, you know. The, I mean, when I was in Bible college, I was supposed to write a paper why Catholics weren't Christians. And I couldn't do it. I'm like, that's a waste of energy. And I'm not doing it. And I wrote what I wrote and got a terrible grade. And I still wouldn't do it. Because I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. I don't agree with their theology. I don't agree with, like, a lot of it because I'm not Catholic. But that's not for me to say. That's not for you to say. That's for Jesus to, to worry about and to think about. And I, um, and if you didn't even know the church was worried about, like, concerning about it, great. That's nice for you that you didn't know. Because the church has spent a lot of energy putting who's in and who's out. Again, to clarify, not this church. The church. <laughs> the church. The church. This is not church. what council members sit around and do. No. No. We got we got other things to do. Yeah. But I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is still, people are people, right? We're still struggling with the same things. So we have a, we have a picture up here. It's, it's an icon. This one is beautiful. This one is beautiful. I wanted to in, introduce you to Kelly Latimer. It's icons. Kelly is a man, just in case you're wondering, because um, I was, I thought for a long time Kelly was a woman. He's, he's not. So this is a picture. It kind of describes the same thing as the shepherd, but it's a hen. And this is us. 
Uh, Kelly Latimer is an iconographer, and he he does modern-day icons, and he has so many. If you love it, you can go online. He has one of Mr. Rogers. Um, he has one with Dorothy Day. He has one with MLK. He has, this is, this was my favorite, and Jamie gave this to me for my birthday, and what this is, is, um, so he paints them, people give him money to, like, paint a big, beautiful one, and then he creates prints of them, and this one was for all the women who are shepherds. We are, I am not the shepherd. I am an under-shepherd. I'm invited, and so this icon is for all the women who have been called to shepherd their families, their neighborhoods, a Bible study, a spiritual director, all the women, and it was in honor of that. And so the picture is of us learning to hold those who God's brought around us like Jesus does. And this was the one that Jamie likes. Um, the mother hen, which you hear in the Old Testament. Um, God saying he will gather us and keep us close. So to close, yeah? Yeah. Right there? Okay, yeah. making sure. The passage is the good shepherd. That's what it's titled. Jesus, the good shepherd. And we need a good shepherd. We need a mother hen to, to pull us close in this day and this time. And the invitation of the passage is to hear his voice speaking to you. It's not to listen to the voices of the world, not to listen to the voices of your trigger, not to listen to the voices of your anxiety, but to stop and listen to the voice of the good shepherd as he is inviting and calling you out and into abundance. My sheep know my voice. Most of us know about our feelings for God. We know about our feelings in worship. We know about, we know about our thinking, thinking in theology. And we spend our time going, oh, is this the voice of God or is that the voice of God? Well, it's the voice of God if it feels right. It's the voice of God if I feel ecstatic about it. It's the voice of God if I feel him in worship. Or it's the voice of God if it lines up with my theology. It's the voice of God if it seems to be correct with my history and heritage of faith. And Jesus is saying, your feelings will sometimes get this wrong. They're really important. They're telling you something, but they're not my voice. Your theology, as beautiful as it is and as high tower as it might be, is not my voice. Listen for the voice of the good shepherd. God, remove our deadness and make us fully alive. My sheep, hear my voice and follow. That's the invitation of the passage this morning. And I thought it would be a great place to close in prayer. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything else to add? Mm -hmm. Great. You can. I'm going to pray. Father, may we be a people who, s who hear your voice. May we start there. May we let you carry us. May we let you throw us up on your shoulders. May we trust you enough that when we hear it, we can let go of control. Thank you 
that you lead us and guide us, that you bring us in and out to live abundantly. Teach us what that means. May we live abundantly in you. May we know you like you know the Father. Father, today as we worship and close, I pray that it would be a sweet time for each of us. Pray that we be open to hear your voice. Maybe sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but may we be open. May we live with our eyes open. May we not be blind and may we not be deaf. It's been a prayer here, God. May we hear, may we see. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. I don't. I will live for the moments where I'm still in your presence. All noise dies down. Lord, speak to me now. You have all my attention. I will linger and listen. I can't miss a thing. Lord, I know my heart wants more of you. My heart wants something new, so I surrender all. All I want is to live within your love, being done by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. Lord, I will open up again. Throw my fears into the wind. I am desperate for a touch of heaven. You're the fire in the morning. You're the cool in the evening, breath in my soul, oh, the life in my bones. There is no hesitation in your love and affection. It's the sweetest of all. Lord, I know my heart wants more of you. My heart wants something new, so I surrender all. All I want is to live within your love, be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper, Lord, I will open up again. Do 
my fears into the wind. I am destined for a touch of all. I want is to live within your love, be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper, Lord. I will open up again and throw my fears into the wind. I am desperate for a touch of heaven.
blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let's stand together and sing. Praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy of heaven and so we may we take that touch with us as we go from this place you touched our hearts and we receive it we receive your word may it be planted deep within us and grow into fruition in jesus name amen go in the grace of the lord knowing that jesus loves you if you heard nothing else the good shepherd loves you heidi and i love you as best we can we'll see you next week